You're listening to Resurrection South Austin, a community of faith, learning to do life together in the goodness of God. For more information, you can find us online at resaustin.com. But the holy ones of the Most High shall receive the kingdom and possess the kingdom forever, forever and ever. Amen? Amen. You can have a seat. Good morning, church. Happy Feast of All Saints. That's what today, well, it actually happened earlier this week, but it's a movable feast because we don't come to church midweek, a lot of us, and that's right, so we'll do it on Sunday. What is a saint? What is a saint? Before we can start the party, let's, let's figure out what we're partying for. What is the saints? What are the saints? Our catechism says this, all those in heaven and on earth who have faith in Christ, okay, you guys with me, are set apart to God in Christ, set apart in a holy way for the purposes of God, right? And are made holy by his grace and live faithfully in him and for him. These are the holy ones that we heard from the prophet Daniel. These are the people whose lives look like what Jesus just described in Luke. Did you hear that? When people do this to you, this is how the saints respond. Do we exchange violence for violence? No. When people are in need, are we stingy? No, that's not what the saints do. We have a totally different description of the kingdom of God and the saints that belong to the kingdom. Well, Daniel in his prophecy, this is, I know I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to be messing with people today a little bit. So just heads up, when Daniel, it's not me, it's Daniel, okay? And Daniel's probably saying, look, it's not my vision. This is what the Lord gave to me, so don't look at me. I'm just the messenger. But he foretells of this like nightmarish dream of these beasts, these four beasts that come out of the earth, these earthly powers. And we've, we've heard this from the prophets before, uh, but there's something really interesting that Daniel says. Did, did you notice this towards the end of his prophecy? He says this, and the kingdom belongs to the holy ones. It's in their possession that the kingdom is given. The holy ones receive and possess the kingdom of God. Amongst those four evil beasts, we see the one like the son of man coming with the clouds, which we'll talk about. We see this kingdom being established on this wicked earth. And who does it, who, who is given the kingdom? The saints, the holy ones. That's interesting to me. And that, you know what's particularly interesting? And we don't set this up. The lectionary just kind of tees up passages like this right in the middle of the election season. This is the last sermon I'm going to preach before a lot of us go to the polls, right? Or go to the, the voting booths. I think what, what a prophetic word to deal with. We talk about what does the kingdom of God look like and what does it mean to be a saint, to belong to the kingdom, to possess and receive that kingdom of God. We've got to wrestle with that this morning. So I've heard this all the time. Maybe you all have heard it. And maybe should I point out the reason we got white and incense and all that business um, is because it's all saints. But incense, let me just teach on this for a second real quick. Um, there's an old joke that said Luther got incense and would walk down the aisles because there used to be livestock and stinky people. And he'd say, well, it doesn't help and it doesn't hurt. You know, and he like incense people just kind of like a little deodorant. Well, that's funny. But it's, so why, why do we use it? Well, incense actually, and uh, there's, we'll do this later. You'll see this, not today, but at a, a later date, um, is used when we, when we, put incense on the charcoal, the priest who is blessing the incense says, may you honor the one in whose name you burn. In the name of God, the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, we make the sign of the cross. So this material thing is blessed. And, it's, and, it, and it kind of fills the room. Some of you guys super love this. Some of you guys are like, I could live without that. It's all right. 
I, I know, I know, it's age old, but it's in heaven, so get used to it. Um, <laughs> checkmate, right? No. Um, so, but this incense is, it's kind of billowing into us. And there's this tradition where the deacon or the priest will stand at the front and will wave the incense at the people. And they'll bow and say, thank you. And it's just this blessing of God on the people, but it's also this, this uh, nasal kind of aroma cue of what it looks like when the saints' lives are living as the saints should be living. It's this sweet fragrance that comes to God the Father. Our prayers and our lives emerge as worship like this sweet fragrance of incense. That's why we use it. It's that, that, that cue for us. So that's a segue back. I've heard this. Have you guys heard this? I hear, I hear this every time we elect somebody. People say, look, it doesn't matter who's elected. Jesus is still going to be king. Check that out. You know, like, and, and it's true and it's comforting and praise the Lord for that. But it's said so many times by Christians in ways that feel like, well, you're not the boss of me. You know what I mean? Like, whatever. I don't care what you say. This, we, I don't like it. It's weird. And it's, again, it's, it is true. Jesus, I mean, that's never been up for grabs. We know that. We don't even have to shout that into our neighbor's faces in an ugly way. We don't need to say that. We know Jesus is king. It's comforting and true. But the prophet Daniel, he actually takes this quite a bit further for us this morning, doesn't he? In the midst of this nightmare of evil on the earth, the king is enthroned in his kingdom. We see one like the son of man. And the kingdom, this power, this beauty is put into the hands of the holy ones, the saints, the saints, the holy ones of God. That's a totally different kind of picture than just saying, well, whatever, Jesus is king. Daniel's saying, he's king and you're his saints. And the kingdom's in your hands, so live like it. Live holy lives. Be good to your neighbor. Love them. What we just read in Luke, when you say Jesus is king, you're saying that's how my life should look. But we don't see that on Facebook because that's harder to say. Sometimes my kids have really bad dreams, kind of like this dream out of Daniel with these four beasts. And they wake up in the middle of the night upset. And we go in, we have this routine that we do. We have this crucifix that we put up in the, in the room. And I walk in, somebody's upset. And I'll rub their hair and say, hey, it's okay. You're safe, you're all right. And they'll go, yeah, yeah, yeah. But I had this bad dream and I'm still scared. So we inevitably have to go to the door where the crucifix is. And I walk over there. I go, okay, everybody, attention. What is this? I go, well, that's, that's a crucifix, that's Jesus. That's right, what's he doing? Oh, he's fixing the world. That's what we say. He's fixing the world. Absolutely. So let me ask you this. Who's in charge here? Jesus. Who commands his angel armies to watch over his people? Jesus does. And I say to them, so no matter what darkness surrounds you, no matter what you may see or may think you see, we are safe because we are his. Amen? Amen. Amen. That is the word I think we need to hear this as we come to this election cycle. I look at the news. I see what's happening in Syria. I mean, beyond just, I mean, we're, I'm sick of hearing the election. I know you guys are too. There's so much other stuff going on in the world that's horrific and terrible and needs prayer and needs action. And I'm wounded by that as well. And I'm burdened by it. And I was watching the news the other day and I was thinking, man, I need to hear those words myself. Those words I tell my kids, no matter what darkness surrounds us, we're safe because we're his. I saw pictures of that persecuted church in Mosul who was, right, did you guys see that, that burned out church? They'd celebrated the Eucharist for the first time since the ISIS occupation. 
We could say we're safe because we're his, but when those people stand and celebrate Eucharist, what they're saying is Jesus is king and we are his saints and we are safe because we are his. And so this Eucharist for them in Mosul becomes this act of defiance, the statement of the kingdom. You can't burn out the kingdom of God. No matter what beasts emerge from the land, Jesus is king and we are his people. And you notice what's interesting about those people? They're not afraid to suffer. They got military folks in their celebrating Eucharist with them, and they're out there demonstrating what the lives of the saints actually look like in defiance to all the threats and all the demons and all the beasts that may emerge out of the world. We could learn something from that. Yeah. Those are the saints. I repeat this to myself, Lord, lead me into a life like that, Jesus. I'm yours. Lead me into a life like that. Well, um, one of the things that our generation, I think, is really... Um, suffering from, we have, with social media and with news, we have images everywhere. We have visions, kind of like Daniel had a vision. We have visions 24-7. Instagram, Facebook, Twitter, newspaper, whatever you, on the TV. And these images, they act like, like a rudder under a ship, just kind of out of sight. You see it, you think it's put away. But actually, these, these visions, they act like a rudder of a ship steering us, guiding us, even when we don't even realize it, shaping our desires. This is how advertising works. This is how campaigning works. They put an image before us of what could be and they try to persuade us to act on that image, right? What if you could scroll down in your Instagram feed and see what Daniel saw? What if you could see that vision of the four beasts? I think kind of we, we kind of can. We can imagine that almost right now, right? What would it look like these days? Would it haunt us? Would we be discouraged or would it encourage us? Would be enlivened. Daniel gets this vision of the powers of darkness. And it's, it's not like a, it's so much a photograph as this like really symbolic puzzle of what's coming. And he describes four animals. Did you hear this? He said, first there's this, this is crazy. Kids, you could draw this probably pretty easily. There's a lion with wings. Check. Well, he has the wings of an eagle and two feet and a human heart. I don't know how you're going to draw that. There's one beast, a bear with three ribs in its jaws, and the bear is told, go and devour. Ah, crazy. Daniel's seeing this, okay? And then there's a panther with four wings and four heads. Does that ever occur to you? We, we have a strange faith. <laughs> then a fourth, a grisly horror, a hideous beast with iron teeth. A real monster with ten horns. If that wasn't twisted enough, the horns, basically, uh, there's one of them that comes out cursing God, speaking blasphemy, talking smack, basically. Horns, has a mouth on it, speaking. He's profaning everything that's holy. Now, what, okay, what is all of that about? Well, Daniel, when you continue to read Daniel, it kind of cuts to the chase and there's an interpretation. And you look ahead at verse 17, it says these. Um, As for these four great beasts, these are the four kings that shall arise out of the earth. This was a vision, this is why I think it's timely. This is a vision of political powers, of rulers, of kings on the earth, emerging from the earth. For the Jewish imagination, when a, when a prophet would describe a beast with like mixed characteristics of different animals, um, it's, it's actually just describing like a disordered creation. It's the opposite of what God has created perfectly and good. This is something unholy, this is something impure, this is something wicked perversions of what God intended. Y'all with me on that? That's, that's part of what's being communicated when we see these animals. Daniel sees all the most evil beasts put to death 
or the, he sees the, the first one, the most, or the last one, the most evil beast put to death. But the other four, they're stripped of their power and authority on the earth, and they're given, they're kind of spared their life for a time and a time, Scripture says. That's interesting. And Daniel's vision continues. So, so now you got these four beasts, right, roaming the earth. What's next? Well, God led it uh, to the people to decide who would be in charge. So they voted in the beast. That was the lesser of all of evils, all the other ones, their favorite one. So as to minimize their, their loss of power, to put away any kind of suffering that they might experience, any loss of rights, perhaps, that might come to them. After all, sometimes you just have to not be the people of God. You've got to put that away to get the job done, is what Daniel's prophecy says, right? No. Not at all. Y'all hear that? What does scripture say? And then God sends someone in to negotiate and compromise with these beasts so that we could all kind of just get along and people could be happy. Of course, that's not what scripture says. We would, that's silly, actually. We would never even entertain those thoughts, right? We would never entertain compromising our integrity as Christians, as the people of God, just to uh, placate these four evil beasts, would we? Okay, let's just stick to God's vision here. Let's get back to it. What it actually says, verse 13. As I watched the night visions, I saw one like a human being coming with the clouds of heaven. And he came to the ancient one and was presented before him. To him was given dominion and glory and kingship that all peoples, all nations and languages would serve him. His dominion is an everlasting dominion. There's no term limits on it. It shall not pass away. And his kingdom is one that shall never be destroyed. God's embassy didn't send someone to like work it out, right? There was one like the son of man that came and assumed all dominion, all power, all glory, all kingship comprehensively over the earth. And this one is, we know, Jesus this, friends, this is actually good news for us in a time like this. This is really good news for us. The true king is not elected into office. We know that. He comes with the clouds of heaven. None of our candidates have come with clouds of heaven. They may have claimed that, but they actually don't. They come with the clouds of heaven. Uh, Jesus comes with the clouds of heaven to the ancient one, God the Father, and is given absolute, never-ending reign over all people, over all creation, and he's fixing the world, he's making all things right as it ought to be. In other words, his kingdom is never up for grabs. It's actually been settled. It's never voted on. There's no props about this that we have to talk about. In fact, it's totally and utterly been settled. Jesus is king. We are his people, and his kingdom is at hand. Amen? That, friends, that's actually really good news. Can you imagine not having that kind of news in a season like this? Where would we be? That's really good news. Even when we are preoccupied with sin, and even when we are entertaining ways of living in this world that may be unfaithful, and we struggle, and you should, you should wrestle with that, even in all of those things, this king, this one like the son of man has come for us, when we could not live those holy lives according to God, because we've dropped the ball so many times, we've entertained the beasts, haven't we? 
Even while we were preoccupied with all of that, there was one like the Son of Man who has come and atoned for all of that sin. All of the filth, all of the blood that we've had on our hands that we heard from Isaiah, that has actually been dealt with. Some of you may be saying, well, that's cool, Sean. Like, Jesus is in charge. We're his saints. But, man, if you knew how I lived, you wouldn't call me a saint. That's, like, so far from the description of my actual life. I would say to you, well, praise God that you actually see that. That's actually not your wisdom, but that's the Holy Spirit exposing to you those ways in your life that are, are not the will of God, that are impure. It's a gift. Sure, it may feel like condemnation and judgment, and it is, but the gift is the good news that Jesus has actually come for you to take away all of that sin, that you would be freed to live like the holy ones of God, like the saints. Be unhindered from anything that you've been wrestling with and, and dragged down with. Those chains, they've been, they've been torn off because of the ancient one who sent his son, the one like the son of man, to free us and all of the sin of the world. Isn't that right? That's the good news that we have. And his kingdom is being established in South Austin in 2016, even in the midst of all the turmoil that we experience. And that great news, it gets a little bit crazier, get a little bit better. This kingdom never ends that we've been invited into. And it's placed in the hands of the most unlikely and undeserving of people. Did you see this in verse 18? But the holy ones, the saints of the Most High, shall receive the kingdom and possess the kingdom forever and ever, forever and ever. Yes, Jesus is king, but he's actually called you. He's exposed maybe the sin in your life and said, repent. The kingdom is at hand. It's here. Turn away from that sin. Come to me. And I will wash you white as snow. And then kind of in a surprising twist. Oh, and here's the kingdom. Now go out into your neighborhood and deal out the goodness of God and the grace of God. Like there's a king who is never going to be shaken. Like there's a kingdom that has an abundance of grace. Like there are people who aren't afraid of the powers of principalities. That they're going to be threatened or destroyed or trampled over. It won't happen. The kingdom of God is established and he's called us to be his saints and then he's released us into our neighborhood to deal out the goodness of God. That's the good news in our lives that we're sent out into the world to demonstrate. Amen? You guys hear that? We can't just talk and hear about it. We can't just come in here and, and literally receive the kingdom in our hands and then consume it and think, well, that's settled. We're good. Now we can go back to normal. No. We're being transformed by this kingdom that we have consumed and are then consumed by and then sent out in the world to deal out grace, to deal out forgiveness, to deal out mercy just as God has dealt with us. That's what the lives of the saints look like. By the faithfulness of Christ, the one who is actually holy, the one who is the true saint, Jesus himself, we've been invited into our workplaces, into our homes, into our neighborhoods, to be little Jesuses, little saints of the Holy One of Israel. That's what we remember today on All Saints Day. Yes, we have those saints that we recall and, and, and remember these extraordinary lives of people like St. Francis, the fathers, and there's all these saints, yes. We remember them that we might live like them. And really, that we might live like them who lived like Christ himself in the world. You might say, um, well, Sean, I mean, that sounds like, that sounds like things you hear in church, right? But what am I actually supposed to do with that? 
Well, you know, I actually ask the same question all the time. I, I read this, and I know I'm called to be a saint. I know what happens here at this altar. Of all people, like I should know, right? And I still, day in and day out, I wrestle with this, guys. How do I, as a husband, as a father, as a friend, as, as people's pastor even, live a life that deals out the goodness of God, even, even when I'm tapped, even when I'm frustrated, even when I'm scared and confused? How do I hide myself in the kingdom of God? Well, I think we begin with appealing to God's great mercies, saying, Lord, have mercy on us. Realizing that we have an end is part of that journey. Realizing that we actually can't live these saintly lives apart from the grace of God. So it's actually a gift to realize, I got problems. I am not a saint. The very next sentence should be, Lord, have mercy on me. Forgive me. Make me holy. That's the invitation that we have this morning. And what's beautiful about this is that we don't serve a God who's stingy, a God who looked at us last week and said, hey, you said that last week, and you know what you did again? We don't have a God like that. We have a God who's overabundantly generous and gracious. And when you come to him again and again and again, he forgives you again and again and again, even when he shouldn't, it seems. And his goodness is dealt out to you in this economy of abundance and grace and mercy over and over. But I would say to you this, don't abuse the generosity of God and take it lightly. Don't come thinking, well, I can screw up again. I can do that and I can come back. Don't mock the generosity of God that way. Because we hear even in the confession, only those who are truly repentant, those who come deeply remorseful of what they've done, to receive the kingdom. Those are the ones who receive the forgiveness of God. That's our invitation as the saints, to be those who are truly repentant and who come to Jesus with humble hearts. Those are the ones that will inherit. Church, this All Saints Day, may we be reminded of the one who is holy that has drawn us to himself, even despite what we've done and who we are, our limitations. May we be the kinds of people that seeing that grace of God would cooperate with him as we go out into the world and say, Lord, what are you doing? Where are you moving? What does it look like to participate in your kingdom here? And even when we are surrounded by the beasts of this age, God help us even in this next week, how our country is going to change, the new season we had ahead of us, all the more we need the mercy and the grace of God. And we need his saints to be released into the world. And when we're surrounded by the beasts of this age and the horrors of this time, may we remember that he is in charge. And we are safe because we're his. And we belong to his kingdom. He is the one who is everlasting, whose kingdom will never be overcome. He is the king who with the Father and the Spirit lives still and reign forever, forever and ever. Amen? Amen. Let's take a moment just to be quiet. You're listening to Resurrection South Austin, a community of faith, learning to do life together in the goodness of God. For more information, you can find us online at resaustin.com.